0: Well, welcome, everybody. And thank you for being here with us. You're just trying to push one another and just create a sense and an urgency on a day-to-day basis. And hopefully the rookies, when they walk in the building, will understand this is a new chapter and the expectations. that nobody's on scholarship anymore. So this is a responsibility and the job that you have. And if it's not good enough or they're not good enough, then we have to replace them and find somebody else. process, the team-building process, it truly never stops. We'll constantly be churning in any transaction that we can make that makes sense to get us better. Like, we'll do it. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isles and we're back with just a quick solo express edition this week as we're 100 days from football right now as we hit June the 1st. It's post-June the 1st Cuts Is something coming with the Sean? We don't really know to be honest at this stage. It seems to drag on. The legal issues continue to circle around this team as they play at OTAs slightly longer than a lot of what the league would probably deem the player-friendly coaching staff. They've cut their OTAs. The Colts in particular are gone for this off-season. They'll have mandatory minicamp. Texas have still got another five sessions um, right up till the 10th and 11th of June. Uh, The 14th, 16th of June is the mandatory minicamp dates. Um, and then we've got a bit of a gap until until training camp. Um, we'll see then at that point where this Sean thing is all going and where you know where it's going to end up, and we'll see how it plays out. I think, and it's been a it's been a strange old off season really for for us all. Um, you know, you've got this leveraging of player power from Julio Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson are all trying to leverage and trying to assert their you know influence on the game from their position of being star players, in inverted commas, if you like. But nobody's budged yet. Nothing's really happened. Um, Nobody's really, you know, blinked on either side of the of the dispute. So, you know, and the Texans remain the same. You know, we enjoyed having John on last week. He said, you know, the Texans' plan was to trade him just before the draft. And, you know, I've talked about that a number of times. I just can't see in any world, under any circumstance, how the short to even medium term interest to this team a lot can happen in two years with a four-year deal still on the table why don't just bear this one out and just give us a chance to get it resolved but I had a chat with somebody over the weekend um and they they said to me you know they said to me and they've, they've told me a lot of things in the past and some true and some not refrain a lot of putting it out on here or in articles because I'm not really here to chase clout I'm not a paid media member I'm just doing this for the fun of it rather than uh rather than trying to you know any levels of infamy, um, but I think there's, there's a, there was a story he told me, um, and that was the first time I probably in my head thought it was over and thought that Deshaun was was gone, um, and probably won't much will change that. Um, so I think I've started prepare myself for it a bit more now, and probably we should all I think not that that's new news or nobody really thinking that, um, but that that little anecdote probably answered my or my position or change my position on it in terms of where i thought it might all end up or what i should think they'll end up rather than what they would actually do which i think is trading um, but it all looks all set for a trade at some point student first today we'll see where it ends up the no-name texans it was probably rather pertinent in many ways john McLean and some other media members made a bit of a a fuss about how the Texans was it Jack Easterby's football operations staff or was it in fact Nick Casseri was doing um who was quite behind it we'll probably never know but Caserio was definitely reducing the the access of the media. Um in the age of you know COVID protocols will probably you know help them reduce the the contact with the media and the leaks, etc. But they certainly been certainly look really intent on keeping you know, as out in the dark as much as possible. That may also be partly to do with the Deshawn's situation. Until that clears itself up, because they know they're open to scrutiny. And um, it it seemed it seemed uh, it seemed an odd move uh, with when you've got almost fifty new names there. Uh, but I think people always have a moment where they realise something. Um, talked about one earlier, and I think for me, seeing that roster and it probably links into the Peter King point over in his article in Football Morning in America now about being an expansion franchise because when you take Watson's name off that roster, you know, there is some, you know, role players, you know, but I think a lot of us, and myself included, last off-season convinced ourselves, particularly on the defence, and that was with a franchise-caliber passer, what players could be. And I think, you know, this league is cutthroat, it's short term um, and it's talent driven. Um, and if you've not, you've either got it or you've not. And looking at that, despite not having any numbers, as those guys are out there in shorts and t-shirts doing drills in a very abbreviated format, it's what they're doing right now in OTAs. But when you saw that roster, it was a bit of an oh shit moment, I think, because you see the, just a genuine lack of talent. And okay, there is some starting calibre players, but when you think, you know, the Texans team have passed, of top end you know, talent and you needed supporting cast. We weren't always that deep, but we had top-end talent at certain positions, particularly on defence and up to last season, and it probably will be his last season in Watson. You, you can find ways to win games. You might not have a rounded roster, you might have a deep roster, but if you've got certain positions and players that can do things on a Sunday, you will win football games. Um, but I think it's it's clear, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, the Texans don't have that. Um if you think of the spine of the defense up front, there's not a player to hang your hat on. Linebacker, okay, Zach kind of, he's gonna to have to have a bounce back year in secondary. Be Justin Reid, arguably maybe Bradley Roby, but you know none of the guys are you know le- you know face of the franchise type you know transcendent talents. And I think so. This defense has got a chance to be slightly less worse, <laughs> one for a better phrase. But then the offense is going to go back so far um, just just by the. By, by the subtraction of Watson, the Peter King quite, you know, acutely put that, you know, we're the underdog in 16, or seven, sorry, or the 17, getting used to saying that now, but in 17 games, we're the underdog, and uh, underdog for a reason, and it's, you've either got it, you've not, um, and the talent on that, 89, 90 men, however many was there, um, it's pretty bare, the cupboard is pretty bare, and it's a long, rebuilded year, and I think this isn't Eve, This is your zero. This is just getting the foundations to start building on. But it was interesting to hear some of the comments. I thought Brandon Cooks just—I mean—he's probably one of the few players on this team that's actually you know a starting caliber NFL quality player who can contribute on a Sunday. He's done you know talked about a thousand yards on every team he's ever been on. Uh, whether he got traded from uh, New Orleans um, to New England so they could draft Ryan Ramczyk, whether he got traded to rams um because new england didn't want to pay them um and then he got traded obviously last year um as a reactionary move to the andrew hopkins obviously he's a bit of a a guy who's linked to jack easterby so you know i think he's uh he's very he's very vocal i think when he wants to be we saw that when he talked about he didn't want to be traded again um, so I thought, I thought a couple of the comments of of him you can actually look into because a lot of the guys will just give you the you know the generic Bill O'Brien school type you know generic comments the rhetoric you know just want to be a better teammate. but Brandon Cooks does I think he only answers questions quite truthfully when he gets asked that and I thought it was interesting his comments but Nico Collins um, probably confirmed some of the hopes and the aspirations that many have got from him. he said doesn't look like look like a rookie um, so that was a real positive and, and also his comments of, okay a bit of a cliche in terms of the the Stanford, uh, you know, smarts, um, intellect, whatever you want to call it, um, of Davis Mills, but he said the kid can sling it, and I think you know you t- take that as a small, a small, a small hope that you know you add those two things together. In this league, they've got to get the physical side right, but if he can, if he's got that there, that, and with a sort of credible and in, in, intellect, football IQ background to support it, then, you know, there's a chance. And I think, you know, if anything's if there's ever gonna be a small silver lining to this season, it's gonna be Davis Mills. Um that's gonna give you fundamental hope for the future, you know, a real foundation to build on. Just said it was year zero, but it might be, you know, z- year zero point five if Davis Mills has got any sort of starting caliber, any any ability to go and win you games um in this league, then he'll be that. So I thought interesting comment uh from, from Brandon. obviously we'll not know till the pads come on what these guys have got particularly the rookies you know don't have to go too back too far for the star gene whoever the guys you know that have been camp stars in the past and don't necessarily translate um when the lights are on Uh, but an interesting uh, debate i think in terms of the texans Four three switch. I think in reality, down and down out. That's not going to make a huge amount of difference. I don't think in terms of what these guys are being asked to do. You know, Jacob Martin was on the end of a four man front quite a lot of times. For you know, failed to stop the run. You know, that not always his fault. Um, some guys not you know playing their assignments, gap integrity correctly. And a couple of the guys, Malik Collins, you know, Vincent Smith, Julio Johnson, they might you know solidify in the middle a bit more. Brandon Dunn, Ross Blacklock is the big unknown but I think what we'll need to see is hopefully of all these guys we've got on this team can we rush the passer? Obviously, Watt was our best rusher last year. He's gone. So is there? do we have any ability to get after the quarterback? Because you saw that end of the 2019 season uh, all of last year pretty much was we just couldn't get after the passer and that makes a long old afternoon for the guys in the back. It doesn't matter who you've got covering. You could have, you know, you can have four Dion Sanders in their prime, um, right across the the uh, the back end of your your defense. It won't matter if you can't the passer because nobody can cover for that long. And um, and uh, Whitney Merciless obviously thinks he can trans you know transfer to a four three. But again, I don't think what he's been asked to do be a huge amount versus twenty nineteen. Obviously, a bit of a, a transition from. Uh, sort of from 2020 rather than 2019, but Winnie Merciless it depends where he is physically and did he recover? You know, was it COVID? Was it you know? Was it just his legs going? You know, has he found a way to uh, regenerate so his muscles, his body on a weekly basis? Time will tell on that, but you can't really hold out any hope for him. Jacob Martin, I think he, he kind of is what he is. I think he deserves more playing time on passing downs, and he might get that under Lovey Smith. You know, has been the as pro- presumably the opposite. Defensive end to Shaq Lawson, and these guys are all competing for that. But Jacob Martin making that transition, but what they're actually being asked to do, I don't think will change a huge amount. But I think the big unknown, just like Ross Blacklock, is Jonathan Greenard. Has he got the ability to play? You know, down and down out every down lineman. Um, and a four-man front and you know the answer is we don't know because we just didn't really see him he flashed that one game sat Cam Newton at the New England one of the you know the four wins of last year Um, and so he's shown flashes but just didn't see the field enough so how he's developed into year two how his body's changed how he's learned you know learning this new playbook which is you know it will stem that that uh, trajectory year one to year two for a lot of these guys but a whole draft class of, of 2020 you know we may or may not see some uh, some some input from these guys, but and then you've got Jordan Jenkins as well, who's I think is a wild card. You've got the element of he was let go by the Jets, so you know a, you know equally if not you know similarly a talent deficient roster, um, just in a similar vein to ourselves. But you know he he does have you know versus Demarcus Walker, um, you know he's he's definitely got sacks on tape where he wins with you know with with quality play, whereas Demarcus Walker, I think if you look at all these sacks they're all just kind of free rushers misses coverage sacks etc so you know there's there's a you know there's a there's a huge competition just for those outside pat edge rusher spots you only have two or three on the field at one time um but it, it just probably goes to the competition but i think there will be some in- and and you know a lot's made of the competition um quote and you know there's a lot of guys here you struggle to to name them all um and some will come back to you at other points when you're thinking about certain position battles and, and throughout camp. But it's going to be difficult for them to, to really, truly find the best um, guys for the job when you're in a suppressed number of snaps that you have with the latest collective bargain agreement. But there is, you know, it, will be, it will be interesting to see who makes this roster. But I don't blame you if you're going to try and just wait till you see the 53-man the um, cut down um, and then t- take it from there to learn these guys' names until the until the pads are put on in training camp. But of any of the positions, the head rushers have got some good tackles to go against and get a true barometer of that. So if there's any one position, we could maybe find guys that can contribute. You'll probably get the best test against you know the the tackles because we're pretty deep at that position uh with rod johnson being a great swing tackle and you got charlie hegg you got inside and gary and christian senior was released by um the washington football team i think he was a he was a guy who who was a project coming out of louisville again interested potential upside but seems like certainly casario is you know willing to churn the roster um to a degree um that, that will probably outweigh some quality i think and and when you see in the fact today the it's reported certainly right now at the time of recording that they signed Rex Burkhead or um, agreed to terms of that, you know, and I think you saw that with Driscoll coming in last week. They continue to churn, and I think sometimes it's hard to question why so much churn is necessary when you have, you know, sixty percent almost of of your of your uh, roster or. Perhaps it'll be around that figure by the time we get to training camp. Um, we'll be completely new faces and how you coach that and how you uh, organise that to be even, you know, despite your talent deficiencies, to be fundamentally sound and play good football um, is going to be a real challenge for this coaching staff. You, you know, we can't shy away from that. Um, And he will have the added benefit next year of a a ceiling salary cap, which is set to go up by 27, 28 million. So there will be more flexibility there, albeit we've got to bear in mind they haven't set a floor for that, depending on certain state legislator. What will actually happen with uh, with capacity in stadiums will be the big driver of where that floor falls to. But certainly they've got a, an upward ceiling of somewhere to the 27-28 million um, jump up uh, versus this year where it dropped uh, circa 200 uh, million on the cap for this year. But um, but interesting camp battles to come and I'm sure there'll be many more. In terms of the churn and obviously the, these two lieutenants who have been kind of working through Casario on the player, pro and college personnel side, of it since he's been here, Matt Bazigan and James Lipford, they've both been promoted by the looks of it from the clips at the start from the Texans video um, that they put out, Rebuilding the Texans, episode four, that came out pretty cringy, trying to probably put, flog a dead horse to a degree, but you know, the team have got a job to do and you feel for those guys, but um, Bazigan and Lipford, you know, nothing to do with these guys' ability, but when you, we've just come out a draft of predominantly picks where the coaching staffs previous links and guys they've worked with have been relied on more than the the input and the and the process that that's, you know, a, a nine, ten month process that's led to that draft board being created. It kind of seems a bit counterintuitive in many senses and, you know, I heard uh, um, Dimitrov um, talking with Albert Breer last week and talking about how you only get one chance and he's determined to, to you know, flip that narrative and he's doing a lot of personal development because Serio's one of 16 um GMs he's spoken with, and he's making a bit of a, pro- a film production out of it, just about the the leadership and about the business in general, and a, a former Patriot guy, just as James Lipford is. So probably less for shock. He's still here, but you only get one chance at this. And actually, if, if the job and the, the description, and probably the task that faces Caserio now, is very very different to what he thought um, lay lay ahead of him, and when he took the job, and he's had, a, you know, we've talked about had better opportunities potentially elsewhere to. To you know, to take jobs um with a more stable situation than, you know, not having a quarterback fan on rest and having to flip over a whole roster without any players on it, and quite simply that's the task that he's got. So you thought he might take the opportunity to really redevelop the front office as well. Um, but it doesn't seem like he's gonna do that, which is quite interesting, but it's certainly counterintuitive versus his actions, you know, to, to reward two guys who um, you know, were the senior managers of a process they effectively surely didn't trust by drafting players through coaching uh, links or, or over relying on that. Um, he either didn't just trust the process, that may not be a reflection of um, his team in more of a Covid year, and maybe they've, they've overvalued or they've overstocked um, that idea. And what I do think Casario will do, will be considering his route into it, I think he will give a lot of young guys and a lot of uh, a lot of area scouts um, and young coaches jobs on this, st- staff, because that's the way he got, got ahead in this game and that's how he's in the position he is now. So I do think you'll see that from the bottom end, but certainly from a senior management, strategic end of it, um, he's not um, overly adjusting his front office as it will seem. Um, and how many picks they will have to know, we might find out you know, in the next couple of days, um, um, the next couple of weeks if any Watson um, movement comes about but listening to some of the legal experts out there I probably didn't appreciate the, the the huge number of hours you could be facing up to 50 hours of deposition pre-trial that's excluding the criminal trial um, and obviously the criminal trial and the civil case are on very different paths um, in the hands of different people uh, ones with obviously Busby and other ones are with um, you know, local authorities so I don't think, it would certainly seem, you know, unlikely that anything will be resolved and we'll have this continue to hang over us as we get through this off-season. But certainly it feels like football's getting a little bit closer as we're at the 100-day count um, right now on June the 1st. But thanks very much for listening, just a quick express solo edition this week. We'll hopefully be back in the next couple of weeks with some guest lineup to help you get through this off season. If you've not already, please subscribe, please review and rate the podcast. Really helps other people find us. And if you could share it on social media, please do. Thanks very much again for listening. You can check us out at podcasttexans.com, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram. Thanks again.